Hey, it's Craig. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Canadian History X early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Greetings and welcome to another episode of Canadian History X. If you like, you can support the podcast for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. You can also donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking Donate. Don't forget, I have another podcast out there from John to Justin, and I do all of this full time. So every dollar you give helps keep it all going, and I make sure I thank you on the air and throughout my social media. If you like, you can email me at craig at CanadaEHX.com. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D, and I'm on Instagram at Bairdo37. Before there was ever a village of Ashcroft, there was open land, and that land was the territory of various indigenous groups who occupied the land since time immemorial. In 2021, 3,000-year-old ancestral remains were found at the Ashcroft Terminal site, and local indigenous leaders would have the remains laid to rest in a wooden box with dirt covered by hand. Other remains have been found at the site and were reburied as well. What more can you tell us about the reburial ceremony? It, it took place this last evening, and um, it was agreed upon after about uh, six hours of discussion at the Bonaparte uh, community at Stictaus, where the um, personnel of the Ashcroft Terminal came and met with chief and council and elders and community members. Um, we had a long discussion around what the uh, role of the pipe carrier, uh, Marilyn Porter was, and the reason why she uh, went and went to the site to honor our ancestor that was um, exhumed and without our knowledge. And then there was a lot of discussion also around what the future of um, the responsibility of the terminal and of the community and how we are going to work together in the future uh, with more open communication. So it's been really quite interesting that, um, and I have to give kudos to the Ashcroft Terminal personnel for stepping up and for doing the right thing, and we're very happy that that did happen. The uh, area that is being um, utilized for the Ashcroft Terminal is part of our uh, traditional territory. 
And that traditional territory is where the waters come and the Bonaparte River flows into the Thompson River. And it's a gathering place for us. It was a place for the ancestors to um, house and to fish and to gather there and, and had their residence there. And so grassroots people, the elders and the community, the youth, decided that this is what we needed to do to, in order to rectify the spirit of our ancestors. And so the uh, result was the coming together and, and the agreement to, um, to do the burial last night. By the time the mid-19th century came along, the Indigenous people were becoming involved in the fur trade, with several fur traders migrating to the area, typically working for the Hudson's Bay Company or the Northwest Company. After the 1821 merger following the Pemmican War, it was only the Hudson's Bay Company traders who came to the area. In 1859, the first Europeans would settle in the area in the form of Clement Francis Cornwall and his brother Henry Pennant Cornwall. They would name the area Ashcroft in honour of Ashcroft Manor on the Ashcroft Ranch in England, their birthplace. The brothers had come to the area in the hopes of striking it rich during the Caribou Gold Rush, which was thriving at the time, but after hearing the stories of many failed gold prospectors, they wisely chose to change their plans. Instead, they decided to found the town and make money off the others who were searching for gold by giving them a place to saddle their horses. At the same time, the brothers sold items such as flour to the miners. Nearby to where they set up their community, the iconic and historic Caribou Road went by. Things would turn out well for Clement as well. In 1864, he was elected to the Legislative Assembly and he served until 1864 and then briefly served in 1871, the same year he was made a senator. He served in the Canadian Senate until 1881 when he was named the third Lieutenant Governor of British Columbia. By 1884, Ashcroft had grown to the point where it would receive a line from the Canadian Pacific Railway, itself still in process of being built across the country, and the community soon became a divisional point for the company. From this point, the community would continue to grow as settlers arrived, falling in love with the beautiful area. By 1890, the provincial government built a bridge across the river to allow travelers to ride the train to Ashcroft, where they would get off and take a stagecoach to the north. This helped Ashcroft's economy as people would stop, buy supplies, stay in hotels, and eat food at the local restaurants. As the CPR was being built through Ashcroft, many Chinese workers came with it as they helped to build the rail line, for little pay and in dangerous conditions. The CPR would develop a Chinese cemetery at Ashcroft, and the first interment at the cemetery would be in the late 1880s. For the next several decades, it would be used by the Chinese to bury their loved ones until the early 1940s when the first Chinese-Canadian burial at the public cemetery was conducted. In all, there are 49 visible gravesites at the cemetery which exist to this day, with seven that have their original headstones, and you can visit the cemetery, but of course be respectful. In 1898, a telegraph line would be constructed from Ashcroft heading all the way to Atlin in the northwestern British Columbia area. Called the Yukon Telegraph Trail, it helped to connect the Yukon to the rest of Canada, and its construction was no easy task, taking three years until it was completed in 1901. The line would be used for the next 35 years until it was abandoned as the use of radio began to rise. Even today, though, as you move north of Ashcroft along the former trail, there are still many artifacts that remain, including telegraph cabins, telegraph cable, and other items. 
And it was at Ashcroft where this immense telegraph line met the main line so that messages could go east and west through Canada. Ashcroft would make nationwide news when a group of train robbers shot an Ashcroft constable. On June 28, 1909, two men were riding down the Thompson River in a boat and constables were dispatched to intercept them. It was believed they were the men who had held up a train at Ducks the previous week. Constable Decker of Ashcroft was dispatched with a rifle to confront the men, and as he hailed them, ordering them to pull ashore, they landed nearby, and one of the robbers said, quote, Now take me if you can. End quote. The man pulled his gun, and Decker shot as the other man shot. Decker was shot through the side, while the other robber was hit in the chin, killing him instantly. Originally, the robber was identified as Lou Kelly, a noted robber who used to be a policeman. But it was later found the robber was in fact William Haney, and his brother was the other man involved in the incident. Haney's brother then shot Decker with a shotgun in the head, killing him. The robber then got out of the boat, took the revolver from the other man along with papers and money and fled to the hills. A third robber was said to have been seen in the boat and ran along the trail according to children who saw him land. That being said, it was believed by some there was only one other man rather than the two. In the boat, 30 pounds of dynamite was found, and it was believed the robbers were going to hold up another train to get them to the coast. Detective Draper from Spokane was dispatched with bloodhounds to find the two men. A reward of $5,000 was put forward by the Royal Trust Company of Vancouver for the capture of the two men involved in the robbery. The company also provided $2,500 to a trust fund for the education of Decker's son. The manhunt for the other man, or men, would eventually be abandoned, and there would be reports that the man was seen in Los Angeles by August. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On July 6, 1916, Ashcroft would be hit by the worst fire in its history when most of the community was succumbed to flames. At 6.45pm on that day, a fire began in one of the bedrooms of the principal hotel. Within minutes, the entire building was up in flames and while everyone was able to get out of the building, nothing was saved. The fire then began to spread through the business section as residents did what they could to fight the flames with limited water supplies. Before long, the fire jumped to the residential section of the community and realizing that nothing could be done to save the town, residents did what they could to save their possessions. At 11pm, the CPR train came through Ashcroft, and travelers found the community burning. A Mrs. Robinson who came on the train stated that as far as she could see were few buildings left in the community. The conductor of the train would state the fire, quote, stood out like a string of incandescent lamps against the blackness of the hills, end quote. On the train, people said they could feel the heat from the fire despite being inside the train cars. The fire would also burn close to the station, but thankfully did not burn the building down. 
A reason for how quickly the fire spread was how dry it had been for weeks and the buildings were tinder dry as a result. Among the areas burned were the Chinese area of the community, which burned down within half an hour of the first house being lit on fire. Other buildings burned were the Ashcroft Hotel and the Grand Union Hotel, the post office, the telegraph office, all of the banks, the lumber yards, meat market, several hardware stores, and many homes. It was believed that the fire caused $500,000 in damages, which would be about $10.5 million today, and only 15% of that was covered by insurance. On January 15, 1938, there was a keen interest in the area when it was announced that a new air service would be launched between Ashcroft and the Yukon, with pilot R.L. Ginger Coote of Vancouver expected to land in Ashcroft on that day to arrange to fly into the Yukon. In honour of the event, the Ashcroft Board of Trade arranged to have a ceremony, and pioneers who could recall the days of the Klondike would also be on hand. Among the passengers on the flight would be J.G. Turgeon, the Member of Parliament for the Caribou. For many in the community, this new historic service catering to the Yukon was seen as a way to help the community grow and prosper for years to come. During the Second World War, Ashcroft was noted for its strong support of the Red Cross, but also the fact that 15% of the male population had enlisted to fight overseas or in the armed forces. With such a large population of men away from the community, the women of the community took over jobs at the bank, in the orchestra, with the Red Cross, and at various shops and more. On September 6, 1945, one of the most influential painters in Canadian history came to Ashcroft, and he would immortalize the community on the canvas. The man was A.Y. Jackson, one of the legendary Group of Seven painters, and he would paint the community in two works, one looking south down Railway Avenue, and one looking east over the town from the north end of Brink Lane. And now, both of these works have been created as part of mosaics in the community, but I'll talk about those later. Two decades later, E.J. Hughes, another celebrated Canadian painter, came to Ashcroft to capture it on the canvas as well. His painting, Ashcroft on the Thompson River in central BC, is an oil-on-canvas work that was featured at the National Gallery of Canada in Ottawa for a time. In 2018, it went up for auction, and while most estimates had it selling for $125,000 to $175,000, it ended up selling for $205,000. At Heritage Park in Ashcroft, you can see many artifacts and buildings from the past of the community. This park, located in the heart of Ashcroft, features short walking paths with interpretive signs that mark each exhibit. As you walk through the park, you will learn about the early days of the railway, the indigenous people who lived in the area for centuries, the early pioneers and the living conditions they endured, as well as the mining industries that helped the community prosper. In the park, there is also a pioneer cabin, a settler building, a log cabin, the railway station, and a pit house. Along with the railway station, there's rail tracks, a railway mining car, a mining truck, and a red railway car. Described as a walk through time, the park also has a Japanese garden and the park was given a special mention in the Communities in Bloom Symposium for the community's work in preserving its green space and its history at the park. If you do travel to Ashcroft, one thing that makes the community unique is its mosaics. There are many mosaics you can check out throughout the community, but one of the most impactful is the Harmony Bell Tower. Located in South Heritage Place Park, the Harmony Bell features four mosaics from the four predominant cultures in the community that have helped it grow and thrive since its founding and even before. These mosaics honor the indigenous, Chinese, Japanese, and other settlers who came to the community and built it to what it is today. 
The Mosaic Project was begun by Marina and Daniel Collett, who came to the community in 2007. Marina is an international award-winning stained glass artist, and her work has been featured throughout North America. And you can see all 19 mosaics by going on the Mosaic Walking Tour. A guide is available on Ashtrop's website. In a brick building built in 1917 that originally served as the post office for the community, you will find the Ashcroft Museum, the best place to learn about the history of the community. The museum officially moved into the building in 1980, and since then it has brought the history of the area to life. The history of the museum dates back much farther though, all the way to 1936 when it was operated by the village. Considered to be one of the best museums located in a British Columbia village, the building features several exhibits that include artifacts that date to the early 1900s and the glory days of Ashcroft. There are several displays that honour the Indigenous and Chinese Canadians as well as the pioneers. And on the top floor you will find exhibits that feature the ranching, sports and fossil history of the area as well as the coal mine display. I hope you enjoyed that episode and my look at Ashcroft, British Columbia. If you did, please leave a rating and review. If you like, you can email me at craig at canadaehx.com. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D, and I'm on Instagram at Bairdo37. As well, again, if you want to support the podcast, you can for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash canadaehx. And you can donate to the podcast by going to canadaehx.com and clicking donate. I'd also like to thank all of my wonderful patrons, and I apologize if I get any names incorrect. Vobs, Robert Page, Richard D., Colin Johnson, Katie Caldwell, Jeff Hershey, Kyle Murray, Steve Pakin, Matthew Gartho, Lionel Romaine, Dr. Bob Turner, an anonymous patron that I truly do appreciate, Randy Hayden, Doug Campbell, Reg W., Deborah Carlson, Francis Helbling, Nick Zinri, Shannon Marshall, Clinton Martinez, Dimitri Chauve, Aaron O'Hara Myers, Robert Dunseith, Todd Casey, Catherine Rawa, Luke S., J.P. Bear, Jason Hall, Phil Maynard, and Iris Gray. Thanks, and we'll see you again next time.